I want to talk to you today about the idea of competitiveness. This is something I see all the time. As you can imagine, when I speak to or talk with people that are just really talented, high-performing people that are driven by a deep need to compete and win. And I find the territory of competitiveness fascinating to study because what I know for sure after observing and watching and working with people is that competitiveness and being motivated by competition is vital in this lifetime to a certain extent. If you're one of those people who feels like being competitive and competing with other people is kind of the secret to your success, I don't disagree. In fact, I think there's a ton of truth to that. It motivates us. It fires us up. But it has a shadow expression. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that as a concept, competition can be enormously healthy, enormously helpful, and very, very powerful. It can also make us question ourselves, make us feel depressed make us feel like giant losers if we don't know how to work with it. And what I'm hoping to do today is make an argument that if you work with the energy of competitiveness the right way, it can turbocharge the way you compete. But if you work with the energy of competitiveness in the wrong way, it can make you miserable. So what do I mean by that? Here's the problem with the misuse of competitive energy and instinct, right? It makes us compare ourselves to other people. As we know, comparison leads to suffering. Did Yoda say that? Did Buddha say that? Who can say? But when we compare ourselves, our insides against other people's outsides, suffering happens. It's that thing that makes us like constantly looking over our shoulder to make sure, you know, we're keeping the right distance between us and the competition. We're constantly worrying about getting ours, right? And that leads us to pay attention to shit we ought to not pay attention to. It leads us into a place where we are suckers for whatever that next shiny thing that somebody else is having success with. It takes our eye off the ball. Also, it causes us to look outside ourselves for information, for wisdom, for advantage, when a lot of times what we need is inside of ourselves. Not only that, it makes you miserable as you're in the process of attaining whatever it is you're trying to attain or winning whatever it is you're trying to win. It's this perpetual state of anxiety, scarcity, and fear. With the sort of shadow expression of competitiveness, the outcome is everything. Winning is the only possible outcome we can accept and be quote-unquote happy with. In other words, I don't think much of the negative expression of competition. In fact, I think it's a big old journey into nowhere. But on the other hand, there's this other side of competition. The thing I just went through was the sort of student side of competitiveness and competition. This is what I think the master side of that equation looks like. When you're competing and using the energy of competition in the right way, you have an inward focus, right? You're looking to instincts, to intuition, to a guidance from within, right? That's like when like Luke is about to drop his bomb on that tiny little niche in the freaking Death Star. And Obi-Wan's like, Luke honey, don't look at the dashboard, babes. You got to go in, go in, Luke. And he drops in and nails it. And the Death Star explodes. Only half of it though. Unfortunately, you find out in the next movie is only freaking half of it, but whatever. That inner focus is what is magic. And I think the reason it's so magical is that it allows for a matching up of skill with intuition, with curiosity. And I have observed that when you pair up those three things, 
they become greater than those three things. They become massive. In fact, this nexus point of skill and intuition and curiosity, I think it just becomes nuclear in a good way. (laughs) It becomes epic. Also, the masterful expression of competitiveness and, and the use of the energy of competition is it allows you to see patterns and possibilities that others don't see. Let me give you an example. I got real into that Walter Isaacson book on Albert Einstein. I've just always been fascinated by Einstein because he was such a goofball, it seems like, and kind of an outlier. And I just wanted to understand how he became who he became. And one of the things about him is that he was kind of an oddball and an outlier. Like he didn't fit into academia. Like he hated conventional wisdom. He hated following the pack. And if anybody in academia knows, that's what academia can be really about is like, don't stick your head too high out, right? Like you want to play it safe. Academia is about a lot of times playing it safe, which is kind of counterintuitive, but it seems to be true, at least from what I've observed. And Einstein was kind of a jerk sometimes to his teachers and he just, he had no respect, right? And so as a result, when the guy graduated and it was time to get a job, he couldn't find any professor that wanted him as an assistant because they're like, you're kind of a dick, Einstein. Like, sorry, you have no respect for me. You have no respect for my theories. You've got these weird ideas like, sorry, go pound sand. So Einstein's like stuck and he's got a baby on the way and he's got this woman. Like he's like, I'm kind of host. So he gets a gig at the Swiss patent office. And while he's there in between applications, our man is working on his ideas. He's working on his ideas. He's coming up with fresh, crazy thought experiments that drop into his brain as he's walking around the city. He's looking at the clock tower. He's watching the way trains move. He's imagining the physics of what it's like to perceive the movement of the train from the platform versus being on the train. How does that affect the physics of the motion of the thing? I mean, he's just tripping out, right? Einstein's tripping out in his own headspace. And that, my friends, is where a lot of his greatest theories came from. Certainly the theory of relativity was born that way. A lot of his breakthrough theories about the way light behaves came that way. Einstein wasn't competing with those other boneheads in academia. He was competing with himself. In fact, I don't even think he would have phrased it that way. He was following where his skill, his intuition, and his curiosity led him. And you know where they led him? To a motherfucking Nobel Prize. You know what I'm saying? Sorry about the swearing. Actually, I'm not sorry. Here's what I'm saying. Being in a state of inner focus, of perceiving the world clearly and being awake, but being guided and motivated from an inner state of skill, curiosity, and intuition, this drops you into that optimal experience of flow. Flow is everything. I mean, I have so much to say on flow, I can't even stand it, but we'll get there some other time. But all of this inner focus, all of this competing only with self, only to be the best version of yourself not only does it make you come up with great ideas and help you perform better, it gives you a stronger self-esteem. The shadow side of competitiveness is that it makes you a nervous goddamn wreck. The positive expression of competitiveness is that it boosts your self-esteem. It makes you fall in love with the process itself. Competitiveness in its negative expression, the outcome is the only thing that matters. And so when that outcome is not favorable, you're devastated. But in the healthy expression of competitiveness, it's the process that matters. It's the day-to-day that matters. It's the doing it for the joy of the process, not necessarily the outcome. This hit me so hard because I was listening this week to a Rich Roll podcast. If you don't know Rich Roll, he is a trip. He used to be like a corporate 
entertainment law attorney in Los Angeles. And he was like overweight, miserable, alcoholic, working like a crazy person. Long story short, the guy decides to go vegan and start running. And he's like on a six mile run that becomes accidentally like a 20 mile run. And so begins Ritual's journey to becoming an ultra marathon runner. In fact, those marathons are so long that they make regular marathons look like 10Ks. They're absurd. In fact, this is the guy that attempted to do, I think it was five Ironmans on five Hawaiian islands in five days. I think they ended up doing it in seven. Anyway, the guy is a trip and so incredibly focused and interesting and curious, very, very curious man. Anyway, on his podcast, he had a guest by the name of Sanjay Rawal, I believe I'm saying this right, who just came out with a movie about a race, a 3,100-mile race. It takes 52 days for the participants to finish it, 3,100 miles in 52 days, and guess where it takes place? Queens, New York. And guess when it takes place? In the middle of the summer. And guess where in Queens it is? It's literally running half mile loops around a high school. <laughs> and so this movie is a documentary about this race and other ultra crazy races around the world and from different cultures to kind of look at like, what is that? That ain't competition. There's something else going on there. And at the end of the podcast, Rich and Sanjay are talking about motivation. And Rich Roll says, well, gosh, you know, how do you balance this like competition and competitiveness with this intrinsic sort of spiritual instinct that you've uncovered and explored in this film? And they talk about, as both of them are athletes and based on this documentary, that competitiveness and its sort of shadow expression only gets you so far. Your sense of competition, if you're a runner, you may be able to even run as far as ultra marathons. But when you really break through the barrier of what you think is possible for being a human being, it ain't competition that moves you. It's something intrinsic. It's something within you. It's something at the soul level. It's something spiritual. It's something that connects to something outside of yourself. And I thought, well, goddamn, that's right. That is right. And I see that certainly in my clients when I can get them to break out of that ego trip of negative competitiveness and into an inwardly focused desire to just be the best expression of themselves, that's when the big payoffs happen. I even remember hearing Oprah talk about on the Oprah show when they were really, you know, starting to kick ass and occupy that top spot in the ratings. There was such a temptation to look over the shoulder and like, what's Ricky Lake got going? What's Sally Jesse got going? What's Donahue got going? Over the shoulder, looking, looking, looking. Oprah kept saying, we are running our own race. Stay focused on the race you are on. We are only racing against ourselves. And that kept that team focused, matching skill, curiosity, and intuition. And it's why they continue to dominate. And it's why when they made these huge shifts in the program format, they might stumble a little bit, but they got back on their feet and they would win that race. And I think there's so much to be learned from that. So for this week, my people, I will invite you to look at your own instincts around competition. Is there an opportunity to shift a little bit out of the student range and into the master range? Is there a way to take your, your head and instead of looking over that shoulder, stay focused on the road in front of you? Listen to that inner sense of knowing. Take that skill that you possess, match it with curiosity, 
double down on intuition and see what happens. Have a great week. As always, I love that you're listening to me. Thank you. Shine on, you crazy diamonds. We'll see you next time.